0: Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Timo Sazo, and I'm an intern here at the church. Over uh, the summer, we've been going through a series called uh, the one Another's" of the New Testament. And so far, so far we've seen um, several of them love one another, welcome one another, serve one another, um, among others. This morning, we will be considering our call to forgive one another. And our passage is found in Ephesians chapter four verses 25 through 32. So if you have a Bible, please go there. If you don't have a Bible, the text should be displayed on the screen behind me. And just so you know from the start, we will read this entire passage, but my message will focus only in the last verse, on the last verse. Before we jump in, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, are here as sinners who need your forgiveness. As we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, strengthen our faith, give us understanding, empower us to obey and cause us to rejoice in your salvation. Do this, we pray, for the sake of your Son and for us, your people. Amen. Ephesians four twenty-five through 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with those in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as, as God in Christ forgave you. So forgiveness. On the one hand, it's, it's a relatively simple topic. Uh, for many of us here, it's familiar, at least in an intellectual level. But as we move into a more practical, at one personal level, forgiveness is one of, probably one of the most difficult things to wrap our minds and hearts around. So to navigate the complexity, uh, I think we need to keep the main idea in mind, and this is the main idea from our passage. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Or perhaps more specifically, we forgive one another because God has forgiven us in Christ. We forgive one another because God has forgiven us in Christ. I believe it would be helpful for us to consider this uh, topic um, under the following three headings the reality of forgiveness the power of forgiveness and the hope of forgiveness so the reality the power and hope of forgiveness so let's consider let's begin by considering the reality of forgiveness and I say reality because uh, our call and our ability to forgive is based on a forgiveness that is a historical fact. Look at verse 32 again. It says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, we're called to forgive in light of. God's forgiveness of us. The question we need to ask then is, what is God's forgiveness like? How does he forgive us? And well, here the the Presbyterian in me wants to wax theological and provide a technical definition of forgiveness right away. But I think it might be a good idea instead to look at one of Jesus' parables, one that vividly illustrates forgiveness. And that is the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. I will read verses 11 through 32. It should be on the screen behind me too. And he, that is Jesus, said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. was dead this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his own older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of his, one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brother has come home where there's a lot to be said here but here is what i want us to focus on the bible teaches that we are like the younger son in in this parable we have insulted our father we have turned our backs on him we have gone off to live in our own way we have squandered his blessings and we have lost the privileges of being called, of being his children. So, in other words, we have sinned against him. We have broken his law. We have dishonored his name. And you see, the father in this parable knows this. He is well aware of what his son has done and what he deserves. And yet, he doesn't hold any of it against his son. His heart is not full of resentment or spite. Rather, it's full of compassion. It's ready to forgive. In the same way, God knows our sin. He knows that we're dead and lost. And yet, out of deep love and compassion, He forgives us. And to be clear, God doesn't forgive and forget by downplaying or overlooking our sin. On the contrary, He takes sin so seriously that He has acted in time in history to deal with our sin. He sent His only begotten Son into the world. Jesus, God in the flesh, died on a cross, receiving the punishment of our sin so that we may be forgiven. And when we trust in Jesus, when we turn from our sin and believe in Him, our sins, all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. They're no longer held against us. We are made alive in Christ. And we are made members of His family. That's the picture that the Bible gives us of God, of a Father who, despite the mess that we've made, longs for our return, runs out to meet us, embraces us in His love, and lavishes us with his blessings. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I often don't see God this way. I wonder if you can relate. Brothers and sisters, even if we don't feel it, even when we fail to live in light of it, God still loves us. God still has compassion on us. And God still cherishes us as His children. We can rejoice in the words of Psalm 32, one of my favorite verses. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit we as those who are in christ we live and breathe in the reality that god no longer holds holds our jesus that's the reality of forgiveness so let's now consider the power of forgiveness let's look at ephesians four thirty-two again Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Christ, forgave you. So because God has forgiven us in Christ, we can now forgive others when they sin against us. In other words, forgiveness is not meant to stop with us. Rather, it's supposed to flow through us to others. Now, forgiving others is not easy and does not come naturally to us. In part because we're sinners, but also because being sinned against hurts. And sometimes the wounds are deep and long-lasting. But when we receive God's forgiveness, and as we become more and more aware of the depths of our sin and the much deeper grace of God, something amazing happens. We are transformed. We are empowered. We are motivated to extend forgiveness to others. You see, as we forgive, we get to see and feel the cost of God's forgiveness. And we begin to see our forgiveness of others as difficult as it may be, not as an obligation, but as a gift because we get to embody the love of God. We get more of Jesus as we forgive others. in june 2015 a young man called dylan roof attended a bible study at mother emmanuel church in charleston south carolina but that day the bible study did not end in a benediction or a prayer but rather by roof opening fire on the congregants killing nine of them just two days after the shooting Ruth appeared in a court hearing, and during that hearing, families of the victim were given the opportunity to speak to Ruth. Remarkably, though their pain and loss was still raw, many of them spoke of mercy and forgiveness. One of them said, we welcomed you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms, You have killed some of the most beautiful people I know. But as we say in Bible study, we enjoyed you. But may God have mercy on you. The daughter of another victim said, You took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again but I forgive you. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. May God forgive you. And I forgive you. There are a lot of layers to that particular story. But I think it's undeniable that the words, those words of forgiveness are nothing short of amazing. They're even supernatural. These believers forgave a man who did not deserve any compassion or mercy. Brothers and sisters, when we are willing to forgive those who have sinned against us, even in circumstances not as extreme as the Emmanuel church uh, one, When we do that, we reflect to the world the wisdom of God, the beauty of grace, the glory of Christ. In fact, that's actually the context of Ephesians, the the context in which we find our passage. Paul had said in chapter three that he had been entrusted with the gospel in order to bring to light for everyone the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in god so that through the church the manifold wisdom of god made now might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places in the church says paul those who were dead in their sins those who were alienated from god and hostile to one another Are now fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ, Christ Jesus, through the gospel. So, what does that mean for us as a local church? Well, that means that we are members of one another, knit and tied together by the grace of God, and therefore we get to forgive. Practically, what does forgiving one another look like? Well, let me suggest three ways. Seek it, receive it, and extend it. Um, And I'm going to elaborate on that. But before I elaborate, I, I think we could just spend hours on what this could look like and and the different scenarios. And I'm I'm not going to be as nuanced as you would like me to be or I would like to be uh, as as I say these things. But I'm hoping that these things will at least generate some reflection and action. So first, we seek forgiveness. You see, forgiveness doesn't need to be initiated by the offended party. In fact, asking forgiveness may soften someone's heart towards forgiving you. Owning up to our sins, confessing them clearly and specifically, and then honestly and earnestly asking for forgiveness shows confidence in the forgiveness of God. And so we seek forgiveness. Here's a personal example, not because I'm great. Um, But I was so angry and frustrated after I failed a class in college, my phonetics class, that I went around bad-mouthing my professor. As far as I know, she never got reports of my comments about her. Later on, I found myself in a situation where I had to take a class with that same professor And I would have to see her twice a week for an entire semester. And so the Lord used that to convince me that even though she had never heard what I said, I had to go and ask for her forgiveness. And I also had to go back to my classmates that had heard my comments and uh, apologize to them too. so I did. Are you refraining from asking forgiveness from someone because you think they'll just get over it or perhaps forget about it? Go and seek forgiveness. Are you aware that you've offended someone but you justify not approaching them by telling yourself that they're too sensitive? Go and ask and seek forgiveness. Have you exaggerated the truth about someone to make yourself look better? Go and seek forgiveness. Second thing, receive forgiveness. If you've sought forgiveness uh, and it's been granted to you, receive it. Forgiveness is a gift. It's a costly one for sure. But receiving for forgiveness from others and living like it's true shows humility and points to the fact that the gospel frees us from condemnation. I've always wondered what, um, how the apostle Peter must have felt denying Jesus three times. The darkness, the anguish of realizing what he'd done. So I don't know how he felt, but I do know this, that looking at the resurrected Jesus in the eye and receiving his forgiveness was the best thing that ever happened to Peter. No wonder why he went on to serve him for the rest of his days. I think Peter is an example uh, for us someone who receives forgiveness and lives like it's true. Brother or sister, do you feel like you need to do something to make up for your sins again and again, even after someone has forgiven you? Receive their forgiveness and go and live like it's true. Third thing, extend forgiveness. And this is, of course, the basic thrust of our passage and is perhaps, though, the most, the the hardest of all. When we are offended, sinned against, we are called to have an attitude of compassion and forgiveness and willingness to forgive as God has forgiven us. I think the believers at Mother Emmanuel Church, who I mentioned earlier, give us an amazing example of extending forgiveness. They were deeply hurt and they were not obligated to say anything, or to forgive this man. But moved by the love and mercy of God, they did it. Do you tell yourself that only God can truly forgive the person who sinned against you? and that since you're not God, you don't really have to do it? But I would encourage you to spend some time thinking about your call to forgiveness as a way to experience Jesus afresh, and then go and extend forgiveness. Do you feel pressured to tell someone that you've forgiven them even though you know they're not ready to do it yet? Take time to Pray. And process and then when you're ready go and extend forgiveness well much more could be said here but we forgive one another when we forgive one another we reflect to the world the wisdom of God the glory of Christ the beauty of grace now sadly as we all know we don't always do that too often we're more like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son that we read earlier right whose self-righteousness and lovelessness rendered him unable to rejoice in the father's forgiveness of the younger brother or we are like the unforgiving servant in another of jesus parables that we actually read too this man was forgiven a huge debt and yet he was unwilling to forget forgive someone who owed him a much lesser debt a much smaller debt too often Christians cheapen forgiveness by demanding it or rushing it or by downplaying abuse in its effects or by neglecting to address the power dynamics between those who've sinned and those who've been sinned against. Yes, the church has the power to, for, to display, reflect the wisdom of God. But it's true that that reflection is sometimes only glimpses that are overshadowed by the ugliness of our remaining sin. So what are we to make of this imperfect and sometimes deeply flawed reflection of god's wisdom that we display to the world well lastly we need to consider the hope of forgiveness part of the amazing news of the gospel is that one day all things will be made right in Revelation, the Apostle John sees a future when God will dwell with his people in a renewed creation. And he says that on that day, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither, neither shall, be, shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away that's the hope of forgiveness even though god has forgiven us in christ and we are empowered to forgive sin is still part of our lives in this world right now while we may ask for or seek forgiveness we are not able to to fully make amends for our sin sometimes our repentance is half-hearted right now while we may have received god's forgiveness through faith sometimes we still feel condemned right now while we may extend forgiveness to people our forgiveness cannot undo the pain the consequences and the scars remain but on that day all things will be made new. We will no longer be an imperfect and deeply flawed picture of the character of God anymore. You see the forgiveness that God has already declared over us will one day be rolled out over all creation. God's forgiveness will finally destroy sin itself and all of God's people and all of God's creation will be redeemed in a complete and definite way and when God fully eradicates sin from our lives and from creation our feelings and experience will match the reality of God's forgiveness the reality of forgiveness will become the experience of forgiveness for you for me and for all of creation. And here's the thing. Our forgiveness now, our forgiveness of one another, albeit imperfect and flawed, points us to that future forgiveness. In a few minutes, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper, which is a time when we commune with God and with each other this is probably the most appropriate context which jesus himself built into the life of His church to seek extend and receive forgiveness we eat bread we drink wine as a reminder of christ's broken body and shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins we celebrate that god has made us members of one another and as we do so we look forward to the day when christ will return to make all things new i'm looking forward to that day i hope you are too between now and then we endeavor to forgive one another because god in christ has forgiven us We need to pray. Take a moment to do that, and then I'll pray for us. Our God, how great is your mercy. We praise you. We thank you that you sent your Son to forgive us. Help us, O Lord, by the power of your Spirit, to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. We long for the day when you will restore all things and sin will be no more. Until then, make your church scattered around the world and also gathered here into a people marked by your compassion and forgiveness, so that the world may know you. Do this, we pray, for the glory of your name. Amen.